The views and opinions expressed by any hosts or guests of WJMS Radio do not reflect the beliefs of its owners or associates. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to WJMS Radio or the show hosts whose words, advice, and or opinions appear from or on our website or on air. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. Are we on the air? You're listening to WJMSRadio.com. Jam. This chick is a sick individual. You're tuned in to Sound Off with your girl Jams right here on WJMSRadio.com. There is no competition. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sound Off right here on WJMS Media. This is your girl, Jams. I'm so excited to be with you today. I have a lot of things going on for WJMS Media, but this is going to be a very special uh, discussion that we have right now. It's definitely time sensitive, so I want to make sure you guys realize the sense of urgency for today's uh, conversation. But that being said, before we get into it, a little bit of housekeeping. Make sure you check us out on TikTok. Facebook, Instagram, uh, we have content on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, all your favorite streaming platforms. So make sure you check us out, like, share, subscribe. It's very important for small businesses that you like, share, and subscribe uh, to the content. It helps us beat the algorithms and beat out the big uh, the big wigs who are on the platforms themselves. So please do us a favor <laughs> and connect with us and share us with your network as well. Um, again, if you want to check out our website, it's WJMS Radio. Dot com. I uh, haven't changed that just yet. Thinking about it, we'll see. But for now, all of our updated everything, information, uh, contact, everything is available at WJMSRadio.com. So today's episode is very special. This is in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, which is obviously coming up this coming Monday, uh, the 17th, <laughs> I want to say. Um, and so my special guest for today is somebody based out of New York, which is exciting for us. You know, we always love to have New York spotlights here on the program. But this is Elizabeth Roberts. She is the Director of Programs and Communications at the CRC, which is the Creative Response to Counseling or to Conflict Organization. And so they were founded in 1972, rooted in nonviolence, peace and civil rights. The CRC hopes to raise awareness among and provide information to Rockland residents on the history of and current movement for reparations and encourage action to end racism. Uh, they have been at the forefront of conflict reg- resolution education and providing training in bias awareness, anti-bias and anti-racism, but mediation and restorative processes. Uh, they have worked with educators, youth, community organizations, and with people in prison and in re-entry, which is amazing. They're planning a year of activities to highlight the value of constructive creative tools for addressing conflict and preventing and repairing harm. And those interested in the CRC's 50th anniversary activities can visit their website, which I will also put in this episode as well. It's uh, crc-global.org slash 50th um, throughout the year for updates on what they have going on. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm excited to talk about this program that you guys have going on, but tell me how you're doing first. Well, thank you for having me. It's um, I'm very, very excited to be here, and I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well on this cold January day. <laughs> oh, I can't relate. It is uh, about sixty degrees here in Savannah, so I'm oh, not that boy. cold. <laughs> yeah, uh, nice. <laughs> I, I don't miss New York weather. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about yourself, and you know how you got involved with the CRC in the first place. 
So I have now been at uh, Creative Response to Conflict for two years. I came just before the pandemic began in 2020. And I have I have a long sort of history doing social justice work. And so I uh, spent about seven years at an anti-militarism organization called War Resisters League and was very focused on sort of the intersection of militarism and racism and capitalism and, and you know, kind of looking at the root causes of war and um, state violence. And prior to that, I worked at uh, the Brecht Forum, which was a center for political education. And I did outreach and we did a lot of programs around these, these issues of systemic oppression and um, exploitation. And so, you know, I've done a range of anti-racist organizing around political prisoners and prison abolition. And, you know, I also have a prehistory as an educator, uh, an early childhood educator, and creative response to conflict has a lot of these pieces. You know, we've worked a lot with teachers and young children uh, through our five decades. And the and I'm a little bit of an education nerd. And so the kind of melding of social justice and education and alternatives to, you know, alternative methods of uh, dispute resolution um, really excites me and restorative justice really excites me. So this is how I landed at Creative Response to Conflict. And there's a lot of wonderful opportunity to do programming like this, where, you know, we are doing educational uh, activities to try to um, carve out space for necessary conversations about community conflicts and national conflicts in a way that, you know, does give people a chance to to learn in in, a, in safe spaces where they can ask questions and they can feel um, comfortable about what they don't know and, you know, sort of take risks um, in exploring new ideas. And we have historically done a... a social justice program for young people, which is on a little bit of a reinvention sort of hiatus period because of the pandemic. So the, the many uh, possibilities within CRC's uh, exciting work uh, pulled me here. Okay. So I want to talk about this event. You guys have an event coming up this uh, Sunday for Martin Luther King Day. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, give us the who, why, where, what, and when of the event? You know, like let's break down the, the background and the details of the event first. Sure. So firstly, to not compete with all of the amazing work that folks are doing on Monday, we decided to extend the MLK weekend and to do our commemoration and uh, our very first 50th anniversary event, in fact, um, this year, basically highlighting the existing movement for reparations, uh, the history of the call for reparations. And we are uh, gathering at 2 p.m., and folks can register on our website and we'll send a Zoom link. And we are joined by three amazing panelists. So it'll be a panel discussion on reparations, uh, followed by sort of a full group discussion. Um, folks can um, have an exchange with the with our guests. And so we're joined by Latrice Clark, who is the current Truth and Reparations Fellow at the Truth Telling Project and the coordinator of their grassroots reparation campaign. And she is an academic and she's got a focus on depth psychology and she specializes in community liberation, indigenous and eco-psychologies. And we're joined by her her comrade uh, in the Truth Telling Project. Shirley Fabre is um, the board chair of um, Truth Telling Project, and she is a member of the Muslim Peace Fellowship and the Community of Living Traditions. And she's also a representative to the United Nations for the International Fellowship of Reconciliation and a co-founding member of a group that I work with, Proyecto Faro, which is um, a local immigrant rights group. And Chris Houston is attorney and a law professor and um, a mediator, and she's a racial justice activist. She also works in the 
diversity field. She's working currently with a health organization in terms of uh, equity and inclusion. And she does a lot of amazing pro bono lawyering, and she's done amazing research actually on reparations for Tulsa. So we're going to hear some about um, the Tulsa massacre and sort of as filling out kind of the the very multifaceted, you know, set of, of crimes against humanity that, that, you know, call for reparations of the descendants of slavery in this country and those, you know, who have experienced the, the legacy of white supremacy and all of the, you know, the violence of structural racism in this country. And so we are very excited to, to hear from them and to learn from them. It's really an opportunity to give folks some foundation uh, on the fact that this is an historic call. Many of us have been aware of and participating in trying to push for reparations for a long time, but really it's, I think, in the context of the uh, Black Lives Matter uprisings in the past two years, the major uprising, you know, during the pandemic where, you know, we, we were seeing millions of people coming out. I think there was a shift in conversation enough that those who had been organizing around abolition and those who were organizing around reparations were given an, a new opportunity really to have these ideas heard with a, with a, a different sort of receptiveness than previously. Once upon a time, you talk about reparations and, and a lot of people would think you were just, you know, really this very sort of strange bird. There's the sort of layers of community, right? Those most impacted and, and you know, Black folks in this country, it's it's clear the, the many, many dimensions of, you know, organizing and resisting and calling for justice. And you, you've had, you know, all kinds of promises from, you know, folks who have been at various levels of government and, you know, heads of national organizations. But when it comes down to it, there really just hasn't been anything meaningful in the way of real repair. And uh, creative response to conflict is is very um, focused on restorative practices and restorative justice and very interested in how to cultivate conversations and give people the tools to, to have inroads in terms of repairing historic harms and, you know, things that emerge in our, in our day-to-day lives. And so we saw this as a really, you know, exciting opportunity to um, to encourage people who might be new to the idea of reparations to to learn. In terms of the event, you know, you've gone over the who, what, where, when, and why, and all that good stuff. What exactly are people should people be expecting when they come to this event? And obviously, it's it's online. Unfortunately, COVID has removed the capability of us doing it in person. Um, sadly, hopefully, we can get back to that soon. I'd like to think that life will return to normal, and this isn't just our new way of living forever. But yeah, being as though it's virtual, you know, what is the structure of the event going to be? Or is there going to be like breakout rooms? Is it basically one panel discussion? Or what can people expect when they come to this event on Sunday? Sure. So we uh, are going to start out with the panel where it's one large group and folks are going to hear from our panelists for about a half an hour. They'll each speak for about 10 minutes. And Latrice is going to, Latrice and Shirley are sort of tag teaming because they do work together on um, a number of uh, reparations projects. So they are going to speak about sort of the history of um, the call for reparations and then move into kind of the, the current uh, programs and, and and campaigns that are happening and kind of how people can plug in. And I, you know, they're also going to, I think, probably speak a little bit about, you know, the the obstacles and the resistance um, that these calls have have experienced and, and been met with. And Chris is, is uh, going to speak a bit about 
the Tulsa massacre and the sort of um, legal attempts at reparations and the ongoing injustices of, you know, that never having really been addressed, you know, and and that harm never being really dealt with and, and repaired. And so as sort of a little case study in just one example of the many uh, injustices and, and, you know, horrors. And so, and then they'll sort of have a little fishbowl kind of conversation and engage each other a little bit. And then we're going to break, uh, do breakout rooms in, uh, for small groups for folks to engage a little bit on what they've heard and then come back just for sort of a, a large sharing, um, you know, final ideas and, and closing. Okay. I meant to ask, you know, the panel that you've put together for this event sounds really amazing. How did you come across these folks or how did you, how did you wind up picking the people that you did for this panel? You know, what went into that process? So um, again, I uh, Shirley Fabre and I worked together doing immigrant rights work, and she, I, she, I've known her to be doing this um, truth-telling project work for a long time, and I've been very interested in reparations and and sort of trying to figure out ways to support their campaign, the truth-telling project. And actually, initially, um, I invited her colleague David Ragland, who, along with Corey Bush, founded the truth-telling project. I'm trying to think what year it was. It was, I want to say, maybe like 2015. And so, and David was initially meant to join us, um, but ended up having a conflict. But his close colleague, Latrice, who works closely and was a co-director of of the the Truth Telling Project, was thankfully available. And so I was introduced to Latrice through through David and Shirley. And Chris participates in our, we have an international restorative group uh, where practitioners can kind of deepen their their use of restorative practices and restorative justice techniques. And so we met her a couple of years ago when she started attending our online national restorative uh, circle. And then through that, and and that was also obviously during the period when um, the BLM uprisings were really animating many of us. And so she and I kind of connected uh, uh, along just big questions about anti-racism and, and allies work and she sparked our doing a fabulous program a year ago, our, our um, MLK commemoration a year ago, when she told us about the amazing film True Justice. So I had known a little bit about it, and she said, "No, you've got to, you've got to watch this and do a screening, and I'll work with you on it." And I watched it, and I said, "Oh my gosh, this really is something we should, we should screen in Rockland." And so um, she was good at kind of lighting the fire and giving me the links and the teaching guide that was available. And so we've just had a a nice connection over the last couple of years, kind of just putting our heads together around what what we can do within the fields we're in to push dialogue more around addressing white supremacy. Sure. And so was there a significance behind picking Martin Luther King Day to do this instead of maybe either any Black History Month days or any other days throughout the year? What's, what's the significance of MLK Day for you guys in this event? Well, we, you know, are all sort of passionately anti-racist folks thinking about, you know, how um, we always have opportunities to, you know, kind of push discussion further. And when our anniversary year was coming up and January, you know, we thought, what can we do to, you know, ring in our, our, our anniversary year, it immediately came to mind that we should do, you know, a community event that deals, deals with racism in one, you know, aspect or another. And it, it sort of dawned on me that last year we had begun to float the idea of a public reparations event. So then it just kind of clicked for me that this is what we should do on MLK Day. That makes sense. <laughs> and I wanted to find out too, there's, there's different breakout rooms. There's different areas for people to be. So, I mean, 
everyone obviously is encouraged to attend. And being as though you're, I mean, this is kind of geared towards people in Rockland, but I guess with COVID and because it's virtual, that now means, you know, everybody is encouraged to attend. That's kind of opened up the floodgates for you in terms of participants, correct? That is correct. And we are actually, um, I think we're going to have to upgrade to a larger group for <laughs> for the event because we're already, you know, getting a number of wonderful registrations. So we are, you know, very, very thrilled actually to to have our, our activities for our anniversary be accessible. So that is a silver lining during the yeah. pandemic is that many of the people who, you know, we've come across through the years um, who are far flung can, can participate. And we are very grateful. We have I think about 13 now uh, co-sponsors, local co-sponsors. Um, so, you know, we also hope to have a nice group in Rockland to help, you know, push forward the dialogue in Rockland. Rockland is a microcosm of all of the U.S. We have, you know, racial profiling and criminalization of poverty and, you know, our failing schools are really, you know, robbing a lot of black and brown kids of, you know, decent educational opportunities. And we have a lot of struggles here. And so we are really wanting you know, for folks here to encourage their constituents to enter into conversations about the the sort of the long, long struggle for justice and, and the, the connection, you know, really between the historic, you know, violence and and exploitation, um, you know, as a th and the through line to just the injustices and the inequalities that we see every day in our county. Yeah. And, and you know, you hit on something perfect just a second ago where you said like the silver lining, you know, and all of this COVID stuff. And it's good to hear that it's a virtual event only because it means that you're going to expose this to so many more people now at this point. And people will now see the the need for the Rockland community. And so hopefully that, you know, makes opportunities for people to get involved and to want to be involved because it's something where it's local, it's tangible. People can, you know, see it and identify with it right there on the spot and know it's, you know, it's not just some Thing on the screen that nobody can see it's it's an actual community it's an actual place that needs your help and so i think that again you know that that silver lining for COVID is that you know it opens up the possibilities for people that would otherwise not have been able to attend the event to really get involved and to really see you know on a national and even global level sort of you know what's going on and, and how they can get involved and so i think it's a really good thing to be honest with you and you know i'm actually looking forward to uh to being there myself and, and participating and, and watching the, and, and being in the room, if you will. It sounds like wonderful event. So I just um, just very recently, it was called to my attention that the Encobra um, 2021 report came out. Encobra um, is a national organization that you know focuses on reparations and they've sort of anchored reparations work for probably like 30, 40 years now. But they yeah. just they just released a report on the epigenic inheritance um, and, uh, you know, the 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 ways in which um, Black folks are basically carrying that harm in their genes. It's, I think the title of the report here, it's The Harm is to Our Genes, Transgenerational Epigenic Inheritance and Systemic Racism in America. And it's a, they basically worked with, you know, social scientists and, and scientific, you know, colleagues and John Hopkins, I guess, was a major sponsor of the study. And, and it, so it's really, you know, s substantive, scientific, you know, information, you know, substantiated, you know, information about just the the deep, deep level of trauma and harm. And so just seeing that report come out and, you know, this is part of their, you know, work to try to, you know, get people to understand the, the damage, you know, that's even biological. And it feels, you know, very much like, you know, there's there's more, yeah, there's just more receptivity, I think, you know, um, and more, a lot more 
struggling on the part of white folks to kind of take in what there's been a real defensiveness about, um, yeah. you know, and I, you know, for your radio listeners, um, I, I, I can say, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a middle-class white cisgendered white woman. And, you know, I have been doing anti-racism work for a long time as an ally and a, and a, an accomplice. And, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm heartened to see that there are more white folks who are, admitting that what they thought their anti-racism was or what they believed it was to not be racist. And it's to say, we're all complicit. We, you know, we, as, as white people benefiting every day, you know, we have to acknowledge every day that we need to be called on the things that we are missing and we need to humbly accept feedback and thank folks when they are able to give us feedback. That's honest. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's really, you know, there's there's so far to go, but I I do feel like you know there there has been a, a major shift that really is the result of the organizing of people of color, you know, and the tireless and you know really powerful work that folks have done, you know, in essence working for liberation and survival, you know, but um, you know doing above you know what seems sometimes you know fair right because it's not it's not the job of black folks to be teaching white folks about racism and so you know it's as as an ally you know i'm i'm continually trying to figure out how to um you know how to carve out spaces to um get white folks in the room and you know and that's ongoing work that crc is doing you know in terms of our trainings and so yeah it's <laughs> it's it's been this it's the necessary you know work that you know is also very very um overdue and it's part and parcel of reckoning with the actual formation of this country you know and we have you know two major original sins of you know land theft and stolen labor of enslaved africans right so we have the genocide of native americans built and the land built up you know this you know the stolen land built up by stolen labor and you know we have a lot to reckon with as a society and, you know, as an organization that's really committed to restorative justice and restorative practices, we are, you know, constantly trying to figure out how to, how to cultivate those, those spaces where people can have difficult conversations. And, and we are recently started meeting with folks to figure out how to incorporate restorative justice more in Rockland County. And I've been very, kind of fixated on this connection between restorative justice and reparations because at the heart of restorative justice is you know the the need to repair right accountability is part of mm -hmm. restorative justice and you know it may not be the, the crime punishment model right it's not the punitive model but there's still accountability and there's still repair needed and so i think reparations can really be understood within a framework of you know we we, we can't there's no feasible way to punish the US for its crimes, but but it can repair those crimes, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's hard to say it's clandestine. You know what I mean? I think the first step is understanding that it's sneaky. And you have to really the first step is to realize how that you know, you as a white person have benefited from it. And when you see that in real time, and in real life, and in real ways in your life, that's when you start to realize just how sneaky and underlying it really is. And once that that sort of, you know, blanket is pulled up or the rug is pulled back, if you will, you start to see kind of what's underneath there. And that's when you that's when the work begins, because once you see it, it's 
it's like almost impossible to unsee, you know, like you, you're always, it's always in the back of your head and you're thinking to yourself like, man, <laughs> you know, and so I, I, I applaud, you know, folks like yourself for, for recognizing that and for, you know, putting the onus on others to do the same and because it's not easy and it's a hard conversation to have. And if it's approached correctly, it, it, it can be a productive conversation for sure. But I think people first need to take a look at themselves and look at their situation and realize how, you know, racism and, and things like that have played a part in where they are today and helped them sort of succeed where others may have not necessarily been as successful. And doing that makes it, you know, more of a, a collaborative thing more so than a, you know, it's your fault. It's my fault. It's a, hey, it's a group effort. We're all together benefiting from this. Let's find a way to even the playing field. And so I love that, you know, this is a, a possibility um, and that it's a conversation that's being had. And so for folks that are, you know, like yourself that want to get involved, you know, is the CRC looking for volunteers? Are you guys looking for allies? You know, how can somebody who's interested, who's who's hearing this conversation right now and who is like, you know what, I want to do something, I want to get involved. How, what does that look like for somebody and how do they do that? Well, we are always looking for partners and we always, you know, need interns and, you know, we always, you know, and and the hope is, I mean, that we we took a bit of a hit with, you know, the economies uh, shrinking around the pandemic, but, you know, we we hope, you know, to be able to re-expand our, our, our staff. You know, we had a program spinoff just before the pandemic. So we we had a um, funder kind of say, no, we're going to, we're going to be independent now. So we, we shrunk and, but we need to expand again. So, you know, we're hoping to, you know, see some, some new funds flow in, 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 you know, the coming year and, and, you know, re-expand our, our staff. But um, as far as plugging in, I mean, there's, never any shortage of, of work in any um, of local organizations doing, you know, work against racism and doing social justice work. And so, but if folks are interested in, you know, alternative dispute resolution, and if they're interested in restorative justice, please come our way. And, and you know, maybe there are ways we can partner. And, you know, I, I what I think a lot about in trying to, you know, break through some of the um, misunderstanding about racism and and how, why it's perpetuated it always feels really important to me to remember that it's intentionally kept in place right that the ruling class mm -hmm. in, intentionally sows divisions between working people in orders for them to be able to keep running off with the spoils and so you know the more people can understand you know that racism is in fact you know an intentionally cultivated system you know that's that's intentionally you know kept in place in order to keep those divisions among working people, right? That white working class people have a lot more in common with people of color than they realize, and they have nothing to do with the 1%. Yeah. And so, you know, that's where I feel like, you know, our being able to you know have conversations where things like political economy, you know, and the importance of things like reparations, you know, fits into an analysis that is really about those root causes. So, you know, I really do... I do appreciate, you know, having a, an opportunity to to talk with your audience and and for um, you know, this event uh, to get a little more attention outside of our our little Rockland circle in case people are interested because these are conversations that we're going to keep needing to have. Absolutely. And I mean at the end of the day, it's it's all sort of it's all one neighborhood if you think about it. So like Rockland is its own area, but like if Rockland is suffering, sort of everyone is suffering. If if there's a school system that is underserving youth, then that should be a problem no matter where you are. You know, it shouldn't be a localized situation. But in terms of 
the event, one or one or two more questions, and I'll give you an opportunity to share anything that I may have missed. But you know, what are sort of what are you hoping that people take away from the event? You know, like are there action items and things that people need to do and put into place once they're done, or or what does that look like? You know, I I think um, the major takeaway we hope folks um, you know will will um, have you know will come away with is is that you know there'll be a deepening kind of appreciation for the need for and and the movement struggling for reparations in a way that kind of inspires and sparks people, um, you know, to learn more and to decide where they fall, you know, on these ideas, right? Critical, uh, creative response to conflict is, you know, first and foremost, an, uh, an education organization. And so for us, we, we really want for people to kind of, you know, in, sort of be open and receptive to what they hear and form their own opinions and their and take their positions and their and and their ideas. I mean, we want for people to figure out how they're going to plug into work to end racism, you know, in whatever way you know feels you know inspiring and feels um, energizing to them. And for some people, it may be to you know plug into the truth telling project and and work on this amazing grassroots reparations campaign. For other people, they, you know, may say, well, I want to write a curriculum for my high school, you know, um, that I work in, you know, that's about reparations for, you know, some folks, it'll be, you know, I want to connect with my local Black Lives Matter crew and and figure out how I can plug into building that local organization. And, you know, and if it's, you know, white folks kind of trying to figure out like where they sit as allies or, you know, accomplices, maybe they decide that they want to um, take on some, you know, local work around reparations and and funding and you know or making local um you know pulling together a group of people who might want to make donations to some local groups of color doing uh, work to end racism and you know materially support that work so it's it's mainly to feel engaged and informed and and energized to do work to end racism that's our that's the main goal <laughs> absolutely so this sets this sets the framework for you to, for people to springboard into action in other ways so I, I like that i absolutely like that so is there anything else that you want to share about this event um, happening this sunday folks so make sure you go to the link that we're going to share with you and register get your attendance in there make sure you share with a friend family member um, it's virtual, so you don't need to travel anywhere. You can watch it from home in your PJs with a cup of coffee. So for me, that sounds great. <laughs> you know, but is there anything else about this event that you would like to share with the audience before we switch over and, and share some of the other 50th year anniversary commemorative things you have going on? Well, just that, you know, it's a free event and, you know, folks are, you know, we're, we, we, we hope for folks to be inspired to come. Um, you know, we welcome donations uh, and folks are, if they're interested, can find um, the link on our website, crc-global.org. But we, yeah, really just, you know, are very, very grateful for the chance to talk about it. And we're grateful to our co-sponsors, um, you know, who run the gamut of, you know, folks doing work to end uh, mass incarceration to, um, you know, Philippine X Solidarity Collective and our Proyecto Faro and Rockland Immigration Coalition, immigrant rights groups. And and so we're, we're really, you know, just... Uh, very happy to have seen such a, a great response in the community to come, you know, to co-sponsor and to help get word out about it. It feels really powerful to see that many, that rep reparations is resonating with so many people. Good, 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 good. And so uh, in terms of the rest of the year, you know, it's still early, it's only January, but it is you guys' 50th inaugural year. So what other things that are 
semi-solidified can you share with us or with the audience that they can look forward to for the rest of the year? So yeah, we're we're hoping to um, do a number of events uh, through the year, and we're 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 planning them bit by bit. And so we we're hoping to do a sort of history, a, a creative response to conflict history based event in April. We've been busy doing an oral history project with our director, who actually is a co-founder. So she's been doing this for fifty years. She's amazing, Priscilla Pretzman. And so we're doing this oral history project, and maybe we'll end up with a book as well. But but to do a history. Uh, event that'll be lively. And we're hoping uh, for National Teachers Day to do a panel with educators uh, discussing peer mediation and restorative um, justice in schools. And um, in June, we're hoping for a National Children's Day to do a youth panel on peer mediation and restorative and youth-based social justice work. And we're hoping for Conflict Resolution Day in August and uh, that we'll be doing a you know another event on sort of um, alternative dispute re uh, resolution. And and there's also restorative justice uh, week in November. And so we want to also do something highlighting kind of restorative nationally and um, its applications. And the hope, we don't know what will happen with COVID, but we do hope to have a, a modest gala in December. And, you know, we're hoping that it's possible by then we will be able to be in person for something. <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? Fingers crossed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay, excellent. Well, uh, folks, if you want to find out more about any of the uh, events that she just mentioned, make sure you go to their website, which is uh, crc-global.org slash 50th, and you'll be able to find all of the things as they get updated and as they get solidified. So make sure you check that out. But Elizabeth, I want to take a moment and just say thank you for being on the show with me today. Where can people go and register for this event or find more information about the MLK commemorative event on Sunday? So right on our homepage on our website is a link to um, the Zoom registration because I, there's a little bitly link, but it's probably easier just to send people to crc-global.org yeah. and uh, you know, they'll see the flyer with you know the information about the event and there'll be two prominent links that they can click on the top or the bottom and they'll get to the registration page. Great. Well, I want to say again, thank you so much for being an ally and for taking the time and having the difficult conversations you know, about these things and, and really kind of opening people's eyes and helping folks understand sort of what role they play in things and, and helping folks to stop being complacent. So thank you for all the work that you've done. Um, I want to thank you for being on the show with me today. Definitely keep us in, in the loop if uh, there's anything else throughout the year that you guys are interested in uh, talking about or sharing with WJMS Media. We are always welcome to have a guest back. Thank you so much. It was really, really wonderful to be here with you. And uh, yeah, we we are excited to check out your shows <laughs> and we really appreciate the, the opportunity. Anytime, anytime. Folks, I'll be back again with another new episode of Sound Off. So make sure that you keep it locked to all the WJMS media channels. You can stream all of our content on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Mixcloud, you name it, we're pretty much on it. So make sure you check us out. There's no reason not to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, please let your folks know, let your friends know, friends, family, anybody, uh, what we're doing and, and support the movement. And, you know, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting and for, of course, connecting with us and to everybody behind the scenes that helps make this show and WJMS Media possible. We thank you for that as well. And until the next time, we will see you guys. Be safe out there. Make sure you wear your masks, use your hand sanitizer so we can get back to some semblance of normalcy. And we will see you on the other side <laughs> of the broadcast right here on WJMS Media. WJMS Radio. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind. See, we keep it real. We always on
keep it real. You can't knock what's real, you know what I'm saying? We telling the truth, man.